Point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's my mic. Yeah, I feel the power now surging through one, me. Two, the electricity point. it's coming at one, me two, in 104.4 Residence two, FM. Two. Baby. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the Truth About Markets. Uh, Max and Stacy with them. Got a special guest we're going to bring on here before long. We're right here in the studio. We invite you to call us. That's right. Put your finger into the phone. Dial the phone. Give us a call. A lot of people are interested in our point of view. Basically, you got the Blair Bush Bin Laden axis of weasels, the murdering weasels over there feeding Israel with weapons. They can go kill people, commit genocide on people. It was one of our pet theories. Uh, if you have a comment about that, give us a call. The phone number, uh, Residence FM, I see on the wall, is uh, 0207 eight three six three six six four also this evening it's a special show dedicated they they flew stacy and, and i in here this morning we're doing a special marathon show today to raise money for residence's new antenna that's raising right money for charity that's right residence has got to raise money for their antenna they that the, the old coat hanger that was actually used to uh, broadcast from this network has broken uh, they need to raise 47p to get a new coat hanger uh, which they call the antenna. is the main antenna, so you can call in with your commitments there. We take Switch Card and PayPal also. And, uh, well, I got a bunch of stories here, Stacey. I thought maybe one, one of the ideas we could do is uh, go through some headlines, you know, and see if something kind of tickles our fancy, see if we can kind of, like, get into something. Uh, you, you know, just touch some of the bases. And our, our listeners are out there in residence land. You know, they, they just kind of settled back. They sat back in their lounge chairs. They're lighting up a bowl of hash. You know, they're drinking their ninth beer. You know, they just said, oh, that Harmony Frazier show's over. Yes, those wacky Max and Stacy again. And they're talking about economics and politics. And they're just like, they're... They're just kind of getting relaxed with some Indian takeout or takeaways, it's called here. And they're just kind of, you know, relaxing, getting ready for the show. They might even actually call up and interact with us during the show. Who knows? I mean, it's possible. It's it's, po- anything's possible, really. So I thought maybe we just go through some of the uh, some of these uh, items. Have you got a light, dude? Uh, I think uh, maybe we should introduce our guest. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should introduce our guest at this point. Uh, People we, might be confused who that person <laughs> is speaking. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're in the studio here at Residence, and uh, we had a special... Residence 104, Truth About Markets, Confab, before the, sh- the show this evening here in the West End of London. We invited all of our, our listeners to it. We had over five people come. So yes. it was a spectacular success. And um, very, very exciting because uh, amongst the, uh, the attendees was none other than... Um, the mayor, the mayor, the mayor of no, no, the mayor of Biffin Bridge. They were going by that by that uh, name this evening, of course. Yeah, if you like, yeah. I think that's best, don't you, Stacey? <laughs> <laughs> I've always hated that. Name, is that is that right? Yeah, I wish I never had invented the place. Well, <laughs> the thing is, when you get into politics, you know, it's a bit of a devil's bargain. You know, it's uh, it's a slippery slope. You go in there and you think you can change the system, and then the system changes you. You make your bed. I have an I have an idea for you. If you want to get rid of Biffin Bridge, you could uh, move it to Lebanon because Israel has a thing about bridges. They mm. just blow them away. All the infrastructure gets blown away. That's well, right. Yeah, that would be a complicated procedure. And, and very not, painful. Not in this day and age. <laughs> so, Max, what are your headlines over there? Well, you know, we, you know, the usual cast of characters from the Financial Times, for example. 
Let's see if this rouses people. This is fascinating, actually. You know, we, we talked about this in our daily podcast that we do. We, we also, during the week, do the Karma Bank radio at karmabank.com. We can do our daily podcast from that, from that location. And you, you said you listen to the show. You there on the board. What's your name? My name is Michael. Michael. <laughs> fine young lad right here in the studio working the board. He listens to the show even. You know, it's caught on amongst many people. They, it's kind of their daily dose of reality, exactly. so to speak. And it kind of gets, shocks them back into the now. <laughs> and for me, I'm shocked back into the now every time I pick up the Financial Times. The Financial Times is, my, is kind of like my, the spine of my life. I, I look at that and I see really what's going on. So this is a fascinating little story. I'm going to, we mentioned it on our podcast, and I'm going to mention it again. Michael, I want you to think about this for a second. You're, you're a young man. You're an up-and-coming lad, talented man in the, in the sound engineering business, I would say, uh, looking to score <laughs> big, big bucks in the show business. And, uh, community. <laughs> you got all the babes down there in the lobby waiting for Give me Michael. So this is the interesting thing. Now, this is what it says. Hedge funds seek a clean break from Hong Kong's pollution. Now, according to this story, Hong Kong, they have very bad air pollution, and it's prompting a number of hedge funds to move to Singapore, reflecting a trend that could undermine the territory's financial sector. Senior executives at Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, you know, we talk about Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs often, the the financial terrorists that are perpetrating ungodly financial terror throughout the world's financial ecosystem. Remember, before you have ecological degradation, before the CO2 emissions become a problem, before the oceans become a huge cesspool of neoliberal problems, first you have to feed the Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs bankers their Christmas bonuses. Feed them and you end up with the neoliberal nightmare that ensues. Anyway, the world's biggest providers of hedge fund banking services. In other words, they feed all the speculators all the cheap loans. That's their, one of their big jobs. It's called uh, prime brokerage services. As a matter of fact, Merrill Lynch last week said they were going to expand their prime brokerage service. So every, every, uh, every Tom, Dick, and Harry can now be a hedge fund and borrow money at below market rates to start speculating, to make it easier to corporations to perpetrate ecological damage that's causing untold damage to you and your family, sucking up the carbon, getting cancer, all for a few pennies. They say, according to this, health and lifestyle issues are causing rifts at the top of the growing number of these Hong Kong-based hedge funds, most of which are owned and operated by mid-career professionals. These are hedge funds partnerships where there is an element of strife over air pollution, said one senior executive. One, one partner wants to stay in Hong Kong, while the other partner wants to move to Singapore, for the sake of their family. Now, Stacy, this is exactly what we've been talking about for years. In other words, the, the system, the financial system, the hedge funds, and the bankers that feed them are creating a system of have and have-nots, of ecological haves and ecological have-nots, and they are putting inordinate pressure on the Earth's ecosystem in a way that's causing m- m- premature extinction of the human species. And, and now it's gone down to the granularity of the actual office of a hedge fund in Hong Kong, where you got guys sitting next to each other in the same office saying, you're committing financial harry-carry with your lending schemes that are breaking the ecology down and killing my kids. I want to move out of Hong Kong. And the other guy's saying, no, I want to stay in Hong Kong and go for that extra big Christmas bonus. So it's actually come down to the the same office, the same guys in the same office deciding whether or not they're going to flip a coin and say, yeah, the Earth's ecosystem's not worth it. We're going to keep pounding it with our free money schemes. We're going to keep driving this ecology down into the mud. 
We're going to keep causing premature extinction. We're going to keep killing people with our neoliberal market, American-style, uh, uh, you know, uh, Washington consensus. The same thing they're trying to push in Iraq. The same thing that Israel is trying to push with the, all over the world with the help of the American missiles, the American bullets. My goddamn tax dollar going into those bullets, going into... They're going to Israel, going into the babies in <laughs> Lebanon, going into the babies in Palestine. <laughs> well, there I must raise a small voice of protest. After all... Um, Is your name Stacy? Hold, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Is your name Stacy? God damn <laughs> So, Stacy, we got to touch on this. We got to touch on this story. So, here you have it right there in the same office, that these partners are at each other's throat over this uh, bifurcation of values, where one guy is saying, I want the quick buck. I want to make the hedge fund buck now. I don't care what ecological disaster it causes. The other guy is saying, uh, wait a minute, maybe this is bad for my family. Yeah, so it's that intergenerational warfare That's that we've been said. talking about. So the, so the older guy, the probably the older guy is the one with the child who's like, okay, I'm ready to retire now. I want everybody to become green and ecological and have clean air to breathe. And the other guy's like, no, I haven't had my kid yet, so I'm ready to kill yours. I'm That's ready right. to kill some more kids. That's right. Intergenerational warfare. Yeah. And I think this is what we're seeing all over the world. I think all of these conflicts that we're seeing, all these uprisings, like, for example, oh, excuse me, I burped. Uh, <laughs> we were, came in earlier and we were at the, um, the rally. Yes. In um, the right outside the House of Commons. Commons Park. Parliament Square. Parliament Square, which is now toasted brown, color brown, thanks to the global warming and heat wave that's come in. Yeah. I came into London this morning. It's like the savannah, an African savannah. I think it's toasted. Yeah. Because the goddamn Shimada is doing a goddamn neoliberal model. So they're out there in front of the House of Commons, and they're protesting. And they're in Mexico, hundreds of thousands of people protesting. Then you've got people gathering all over the world. Massive protests, pockets of protests. There's a gathering global insurrection against the corporate occupation. And I think if you had to narrow it down to one issue, it's this, the intergenerational warfare. This current generation, post-World War II, baby boom scum, has destroyed the ecology, <laughs> destroyed society, destroyed the financial ecosystem. And this Generation X... This generation, MySpace, is waking up and smelling the fact that they are left with the charred carcass of what was once a beautiful planet. That's right. It says in the Bible, <laughs> the meek shall inherit the earth. And what that means is the meek who refuse to fight back against their parents, who refuse to take arms <laughs> up against their parents. Remember the 60s. Remember the youth movement. Remember the Alamo. Remember Abraham Lincoln. Remember, remember Cromwell. Remember, <laughs> remember. Remember the 5th of November. Remember <laughs> V for Vendetta. Remember it's you who you are. Remember who you are. Who are you? Are you a human being? Do you value life? Then take arms against your parents. <laughs> Say, Mom, Dad, I've had it with you. You have totally screwed my future. <laughs> it's time. Your number's up. You think I'm going to work to pay for your pension? <laughs> and get nothing out of it but a hollow shell of a planet, a carcass, a burnt-out wasteland, you got another thought coming. Now, we talked about this in America. We talked about this to people in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and they were, we were pilloried in American press. And the for, CIA for visited us. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal was writing a, a slanderous story about us <laughs> until we caught them red-handed and they pulled out. Hey, you know what? It sounds like that movie, Logan's Run. Yeah. Remember that? They're remaking that, you know. That's right. That you remember the, the, the plot to that movie was everybody killed off. Once you turned 30, you were killed off. That's right. In a sort of um, pop idol kind of way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Now, I think that what this is coming down to and what this hedge fund story is telling us is that <laughs> there's going to be some hard choices to make. You've grown up attached to your parents, old mom and dad, but let's face it, they're pigs. <laughs> They've stolen all your eco resources. They've stolen all your money. <laughs> Michael, I see, has picked up an Uzi now. There's Michael. <laughs> he's thinking about his, his parents down there in Devon. He's thinking, my God, I never thought of it like that. But after the show's over, maybe right now. There he goes. So, uh, the mayor of Biffin Bridge, he just came, you know, he's famous. You may have seen him in some of those commercials on TV with the uh, Ronald McDonald and uh, Mayor McCheese. And, of course, you had the mayor of Biffin Bridge. They were all featured prominently in the famous commercial during the 1970s. He's still in London. Yep. And uh, (laughs) he's still waiting for that call from uh, Hollywood, as I recall. I think corporations have superior rights over individuals. Um, you know, legal responsibilities, liabilities, things like that, they um, should be unaccountable. They should be trusted. Let me give the phone number again. <laughs> the phone number here in the studio is 0207-836-3664. We're on the air right now. And did they do any call-in shows on this network ever? Uh, Not really. I mean, uh, no. Oh, look at this. What, you got a call? <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's see this, what's going on. This could on. actually be somebody. It, hey. could, it could be Hollywood calling. It could be Hollywood calling for the mayor of Biffin Bridge right now. I'm Who's ready it? to sell out. Nobody, they yeah. hung up. Yeah, right away. This, uh, I don't know it was. Hello. The cowards! The cowards! Oh, I see. Well, let's move on to our next story. Are you ready for our next story? I'm ready. Are you ready, contestants? Contestant number one. Hey, but by what? the way, yeah. speaking of that um, protest in Parliament Square, oh, yeah. I did notice one thing. There was like mass civil disobedience where everybody was holding signs saying, um, we're all Hezbollah now. That's right. Isn't that glorifying uh, terrorism? Nope. Technically, uh, are I not, think... Are they technically, not... Uh, 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 who invited uh, this guy? <laughs> Is he just... What's going on with this guy? Yeah, which, uh, let me answer that question, Okay. Uh, okay. I think uh, yeah, I think you're right. It does glorify uh, the the new law by Blair talking about uh, can't glorify uh, terror speech, yeah. right? So th- therefore, if you say we're all Hezbollah now, as they're doing down there across the House of Commons, uh-huh. then technically speaking, those people should be under uh, control orders. They should have Charles Clark whip out his big schlongo and give him anally violated. <laughs> no. Who's who's the new who's I, the new who, who took over from Charles Clark? John Reed. That guy. Yeah. That guy is worse. <laughs> John Reed, he's worse. <laughs> that guy is genuinely dangerous. At least Charles Clark was kind of a bumbling nincompoop. You have no idea who Reed is. No, I do. He's the guy who said that those poor uh, oh, yes. m- mothers in the uh, estate council should be able to enjoy a fag every now and then. You know, yeah, smoke. Exactly. Because that yeah. was the only pleasure they had in life. Yeah. He's a law and order guy. Yeah. You know, he's probably selling the bullets over there to uh, <laughs> the Israeli terrorists, killing the Lebanese. I know you don't agree with that either. Who invited this guy? <laughs> you, notice, you, you, you notice also they went downstairs, opened the door, and now they're playing a show downstairs. <laughs> you can they hear left that the board the completely open. It's com- but anyway, your point is well taken. And uh, y- 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 technically speaking, yes. I would think that it is a, a, a contradiction of this new law, this new uh, anti-terror speech law. Yeah. Um, I was looking for some sort of um, people being gunned down sort of action because they were supporting terrorism. Well, yeah, I mean, so if the laws are arbitrary, and you know, one day they say, well, we'll obey the law, one day we won't obey the law. They have to pass the laws that make sense. They just can't pass laws 
precautionary laws that in case we need a law someday based on some uh, notion that we happen to have based on some poll we took, we're going to apply that law for the next 10 minutes. Mm. They have to have some kind of, I mean, they, they found this book, right? And the, uh, they published this book now, the, uh, the, the, the census from the year 1000, the doomsday book. 1085. It's the beginning the of some kind of civilized behavior in this country. Is what it, happened it, under Blair? They went backwards. It's pre, <laughs> the pre-doomsday book. It's, this guy's the doomsday prime minister. He's he's a total medieval nihilist. He's out in the, he's in he's in dark ages. He doesn't believe in any law and order. He just makes up a law and applies it whenever he feels like it. That's not civilization. That's nonsense. The guy. <laughs> I mean, they haven't had a proper revolution in this country. No. They had the Cromwell thing, which was a big wet squib. <laughs> he sold you know, out. He sold out. <laughs> you know? Did they actually uh, go down there to uh, House of Commons and uh, demand that the tyrants get out? No. no. <laughs> of course not. So it's jolly well good time they do. <laughs> and I think we're listening to this show. Put down that bong pipe. Put down that hash. Put down that hash pipe right now. Get out, out of your out of your little flat and shortage. Get out of the street. Go down there to the House of Commons and demand. You, you want to see some proper civilization? You want to see some somebody standing up for the people? It's no representation. That's not government. That's not representational <laughs> government, is it? Yes, Mayor. <laughs> Weren't you arrested once for wearing a T-shirt and a and a Santa Claus hat? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you are referring, sir, to an incident uh, last year where I was wearing one of those orange Antoine Tanamo gay, gay, not gay, uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay jumpsuits. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, during uh, some protests down there at the Queen's Day. It was Queen, yeah. Queen's Day. The queen was, queen was opening Parliament. But she was opening Parliament. Yes, that's what she was doing. It was the Queen's Day. Remember she rode by in her little carriage. Her big scepter. I love that yeah. scepter. Yeah. That's the only thing I like about the whole monarchy is that scepter. If I, I wish I had a scepter. Everything else, who cares? How about a crown? Like a crown? No, the crown is so cliche. Right. It's so overdone. You can go to Burger King and get a crown. Yeah. Here's a Burger King. Oh, I have a, I have a fried burger and a fries. Here's a crown. They don't give you a scepter. No, the scepter is cool. That's the root of the power. And also down there in the House of Commons when they're debating, what's that thing right there on the, 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 the wooden table, the, uh, the, the box? What do they call it? The, 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 dispatch stand, box. the dispatch box. What do they call that? The thing right there is the goddamn scepter is what they got down there, not a crown. Am I right? It's a blunt instrument for hitting. Well, it's close enough. You can do a lot of damage. You can do more damage with a scepter than you can with a crown. Although, you hear people, the verb is to get crowned, not to get sceptered. So I would imagine that throughout history, somebody did get hit with a crown. Or they could be referring to a large coin. Exactly. I think it's A big sack of coins. I I got crowned with a sack of coins. Have you ever been coined? Have you ever been uh, crowned? Yeah. Okay, think about it. We'll get back to you in a minute. So anyway, the scepter is the root of the power in this country. Now, you were saying something, Mayor. Okay, we'll get back to you, too. So we'll go on to the next story, which is uh, burning a hole in the agenda. I don't know if you ever read this magazine, Michael. Did you ever look at The Economist magazine? No. It's printed here in Britain. It's pretty famous. You ever see it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You ever thought about reading it? No. You figure that's for some wankers, some city wankers. It's not for you. What do you care about the economy? You're happy. You got a bag of dope and you're sitting behind a lot of equipment over there. What could be better? Where's Ed, by the way? Where's Ed? Ed, the guy with the Hawaiian pizzas. Why come he's not here? I want answers. Where is he? Where's Ed? He's at home with his girlfriend, probably. No, he's at a wedding. He's at a wedding this week. Okay. He doesn't do the engineering anymore. Not really? Residents, this is, we're really interested to know this. Hmm. But, <laughs> <laughs> update, engineer update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, oh. That should be a show. Engineer update. <laughs> it could be a show. All right. Here, here's here's what I was going to point out. This is another fascinating piece of news from the Economist magazine. It, you know, they break it down because I we always think on this show the 
price precedes news. You know that the, the like the when you see the politicians on TV, it's too late. They've already the news has already come and gone. It's already been done in the markets. By the time the politicians are talking about it, it's like a coloring book. They're just coloring in, uh, in the lines, but the actual lines themselves are written on, on the Wall Street and the city. So if you want to really get a good grasp of what's going on, you have to understand the lines, the outline of what's going on, and forget about coloring in the coloring book. That's kid stuff. The politicians are kids. The bankers are the adults. So unless you're willing to tango, go to you know, tangle with tango with the adults. You know, you're basically uh, never going to get anywhere. That's why we say on this show, and let's bring this up for now because it's a good time to bring it up. You know, we've been saying on this show, residents, you know, thank you, residents, for allowing us to do our show here every week. We, uh, all over the world, people have begun to get serious about this Coca-Cola boycott. So let's just touch on that briefly. The, the Karma Bank is the uh, bank that figures out the best boycott that one must be involved with based on the financial vulnerability of a company. In other words, we're not trying to establish a dialogue with the company. We're not trying to establish a dialogue with Coca-Cola. We're trying to establish a dialogue with the financial community by saying, look, we're going to bring 20, 30, 40 million boycotters to Coca-Cola to the point where they are no longer reporting revenues anymore. There's, thus, the stock is vulnerable. The stock can go down. And then the hedge funds, which are these like, I'm talking, that's right, these hedge funds, they got a lot of money. They can make negative bets against the price going down. So now the professional money managers are betting against the stock, and the reason it's going down is because the global activist community is boycotting the product. You like that? Isn't that nice? It's cool, right? That's the whole methodology. So if the whole world focused on this one company, Coca-Cola, which is the most vulnerable, it's a $100 billion company. Why Coke? Because it's the most vulnerable. For every dollar of Coke you don't drink, guess how much of the market capitalization of Coca-Cola you eliminate? Michael, guess. Take a guess. Um, Five. Five dollars. That's right. Now, for every dollar of of Exxon product that you don't use, guess how much market capitalization you erase from ExxonMobil? A pound. Almost. Well, it's a buck and a half. Right. You see? So by simply switching from Exxon to Coca-Cola, you've immediately, by not that one dollar, takes three times more away from the company. You see? So you've leveraged your dissent. You're saying the system sucks. It's the world is we suffer from a corporate occupation. We're all Palestinian. We're all Lebanese. We're all trying to get out of this muck of being dictated to by the corporations. How can I push back? Well, I can't just boycott everything because then I'd be a monk. I'd have nothing. I can only pick one boycott. So what the boycott to pick? The one that hurts the company the most. That would be Coca-Cola. That's what you got to focus on. Take Coke down to a $100 billion company, then move on to the next. Now, on that score, in India... We have a major piece of news, which is that uh, in India, my friends, they have decided. I know there's a story here somewhere. I'm going to go to my newspaper, actually. It's on the front page of, uh, here it is, my trusty, reliable Financial Times. says right here, pesticide claims leave sour taste at the cola giant. So apparently, India, there's a big... I don't know, jurisdiction of India. What are they, what are they broken down into what? You would know this. They have Kerala, different states. Different no. states of India. Different languages. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say here? Uh, yes. So when Chief uh, Bayman, Chief Executive of General Electric in India, cracks open his first Diet Coke at, at around 10 a.m. each day, it is a vote of faith in the ethical standards of the fellow U.S. multinational that makes it, 
Now, the thing is that the Indian government, the faction of the Indian government, has determined that Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola, the ingredients actually contain uh, 20 times uh, what would what was believed to be the rate of pesticides in Coca-Cola. And in fact, the thing about Coca-Cola in India is that it's cheaper to use Coke as a pesticide than to actually buy the local, go to your local store and buy a pesticide. They use Coke instead of the local pesticide because it's cheaper. And that's how much pesticide there is in Coke in India. So now the Indian uh, government has said uh, basically that we are boycotting Coke and Pepsi. We don't want these colas. They also mentioned 11 other beverages. And the Indian continent is getting serious now about doing this global insurrection against the corporate occupation. Because, you know, in India, we know that Coke's been siphoning groundwater in Kerala to make uh, Coke, which has caused uh, famine, which has caused crop failure, which has caused uh, Indian farmers commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Add on top of that the allegations of them uh, murdering uh, union organizers in Colombia. Yeah. Add on top of that the um, the fact that in Diet Coke, the, the, the study that came out of um, Sweden, Italy. Italy, Italy, that it contains uh, carcinogenics. And add on top of that that Coca-Cola is a $100 billion company. It's part of the S&P 500. It's part of the Dow Jones 30 Industrial Index. It's part of the matrix of companies that are living on corporate welfare in America. You know, these corporations in America are the biggest recipients of welfare, they call it subsidies, but it's corporate welfare, uh, much bigger than any so-called welfare bum in America. I mean, people in, who are on entitlement programs in America who get a few pennies now and then for a little health care, is nothing compared to these corporate behemoths that are on corporate welfare. Just this past week, Stacey, who got the big, uh, big subsidi- s- subsidy from the U.S. government classified as a small business? Yes, yes. Tell tell our audience um, about this audience. This will curl your ears. (laughs) Well, America is always claiming that they are the country of the entrepreneur, of the small business, and uh, um, that they don't have this corporate welfare. But it turns out that Exxon and Microsoft are two of the, um, the most prominent small businesses in America. They classify them as small business. Right. So they classify Microsoft and... Exxon. Exxon is a small business. They qualify for small business, you know, loans, cheap money. Yes, government contracts. They're right. handed. And you know, and we know that Halliburton because, oh, excuse me, I burped again. So Halliburton is uh, during the Iraq War. It's just a huge subsidy program to yeah. a company like Halliburton. There's no ethos involved. The whole invasion was under the, as they say in this country, false prospectus yeah. that they cooked the books, they cooked the intelligence. You know, the BBC accurately reported they sexed up the docs, the dossier. That's accurate in retrospect. Yeah. The BBC was doing their job as journalists. There's no reason why they are in the dock. There's no reason why uh, Greg Dyke had to resign the BBC. If he wasn't such a... What, can, I, can I use... It's pre-Watershed, isn't it? You, I can, can't, you could go beep. I can, if he wasn't <laughs> such a beep, you know, he would have stood up to Murdoch and the war machine and yeah. said, we're the BBC, goddammit. We're not going to give in to you corporate uh, schmucks. Mm-hmm. You know? I see you nodding your head over there, Michael. Yeah, you know, I was I was nothing at your price. You, you could use schmuck. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, really tight, really. <laughs> he likes that. <laughs> whenever, whenever we do a lot, <laughs> it's live radio. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't have to resign. No. So he, he, he's a coward. I would say that. And uh, the new guy he kowtows to the government. And Murdoch's circling like a you know shark, like Murdoch. Of course, Murdoch. Murdoch's a, he's a funny financial terrorist. He's well, a terrorist. Well, Murdoch qualified as well for, as a small business to gain government contracts. And then Bush claims that he helps the small man, the small business. Yeah, well, it's a lie. And this know? is what he, remember, he tells the American people that all these tax cuts he's given is for the small businesses. Yeah, that's well, right. If he's counting Exxon, News Corp, and uh, Microsoft as small business, you have to wonder. Right, it's just complete and utter 
uh, lies, and you've got massive financial fraud going on. We talk about the options backdating scam in America, where, you know, the tragedy of 9-11 is that on 9-12, CEOs in America awarded themselves stock options based on the depressed price of the stocks after they opened, after the attacks. And if the stocks go up, they cash out, they get free money. If the, if the stocks stay low, they never have to exercise their option. It's a free ride. Were they buying the stocks with their own money? Like men? No. They're buying stock options that only pay out if the stocks go up like cowards because they have contempt for the American population. The CEOs have contempt for the American population. They don't give a flying hoot about those dead soldiers in Iraq, whether they're the U.S. dead soldiers or the British dead soldiers or whoever dead soldiers, because the Halliburton's profits go up per dead soldier. Every dead soldier out there in the U.K. or America means more profits for Halliburton. Stock goes higher. You can almost do the math and say, oh, yeah, another dead to UK soldiers, it's another five bucks a Hal Burton stock. And that's the way they think about it. It's arbitrage between human life and their own pension accounts, their own profits. There's utter contempt. These guys are lower than slime. They're, they're cancer. It's a virus. And it's a global insurrection against the corporate occupation that, you know, when all these different disparate groups merge together, the contiguousness of it, as we call it, when the Mexicans finally merge with the people in London and they merge with the people in India and they merge with the people in Colombia, now you're going to have 30, 40 million people strong. Now, how are, you going to, how are the corporations going to deal with it then? But it can't happen soon enough because in the U.S., of course, they keep passing new laws. They keep overriding the Supreme Court. They keep, uh, you know, changing the way that up oh, ding dong who's at the door i wonder could it be mystery guest number seven i don't know there goes the board operator our technicians downstairs it could be a news but give us a call the number in the studio is zero two zero seven eight three six three six six four residents fm 104.4 the truth about markets with mac and stacy and uh i want to move on to this uh, lebanese uh, situation a little bit but um mayor uh, any comments thus far I'll give you a chance to chime in. Are we going to get a key to your city? Yeah, do we get um, a key to Briffin The F-16 fighter jet is a joint venture with Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth and the Israeli developers in Tel Aviv. Yeah. Um, the Israelis are helping by making up for the shortfall in engineering skills in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Okay. And? <laughs> um, so wasn't there something uh, to do with U.S. Uh, uh, citizens only being allowed to work on uh, defense projects? Um, yeah. So what you're saying, there's some kind of mix-up. So um, Israelis uh, are doing the, the defense work. That's right. I put it to you that they've got dual nationality. That's not good. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's move on. Lebanese oil slick <laughs> threatens nearby countries. Okay, now here's another uh, byproduct of the, uh, uh, the invasion of Lebanon. We know a couple of things. Here's what we know. We know, A, that the river uh, is up for grabs in, in the minds of the Israelis. The uh, Latina. Latani. The Latani. <laughs> the Latani River. Okay. Very nice prime agricultural land. That's right. Yeah. The Latani River. You know, Israel's running out of water. They got global warming, of course, drying everybody up. All the, all the, everything's dried up. It's all dry. Look at the goddamn parks here in London. are dry. So they get the Latani River they're going after. And they want to build a corridor to ship that oil uh, and bypass and ship it out of Israel, right? So there's huge strategic value. So this is uh, the self defense argument is rubbish. Um, this is like saying Buffalo Bill killed the Indians in America is for self defense. Uh-huh. Is that he went across America on the uh, railway, a railway car with a shotgun and committed genocide, claiming <laughs> self-defense, Buffalo Bill. This is the Israelis claiming, oh, self-defense. 
Wait, uh, we what's have a going call. on over there? Is it John Reed? <laughs> <laughs> is it Dr. Reed? It's James from Leitenstein. Well, it's a kind of a wild card, isn't it? We don't know what James is going to say here. We got no screeners. We don't know. The guy could be. Could, oh. Who knows? Put him on. Let's see what he has to say. Let's see what he says. Oh, I got to hear my headphones. All right. I hope this the momentum is not too terribly shattered. I go, that's all I yeah, can say. Yeah. Like, because it's going to be, I've got another 29 minutes of this. <laughs> I got only 16 cups of coffee. I'm running down to number 14. Hello. Who's over there? All right. Say hello to James. James, how are you? Hi, Max. How are you doing? I am fine. Good evening. Where are you calling from? Fantastic. A show you do every day. Really, really, uh, really great listening to me every day. You're quite a bitter person, though, aren't you, Max? Oh, excuse me? You're quite a bitter person, aren't you, Max? <laughs> Well, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I think uh, what the point is that we're struggling in the face. I mean, I feel the problem, the ecological problems that are, you know, I feel them. I feel them. I feel, I'm, I'm affected by them. I guess I'm bitter in that I can almost feel like I'm not being allowed a full lifetime, a full lifetime without there being an ecological holocaust. Like, there's an urgency to it. I understand so, that completely, Matt. Fantastic. Uh, I, I'm just speaking with particular reference to your uh, your MySpace generation, um, well, tirades that go on every now and then. You, you, you really believe that um, these people can't be reached at all? Okay. Good question. I'll throw it open to the uh, the panel. Is that your question? Can we roll with that? Do you want to hang on? And we can talk about it, or do you want to? Yeah. No, I think I think you're saying that they can be reached, but that the um, the the baby boomer generation has used up all their resources and their wealth. Yeah. Uh, can, can the MySpace generation be reached? I mean, here, here's, here's something interesting because we'll give you a direct example last week. Stacy um, has a relative mm-hmm. who was on MySpace.com who posted their personal profile and they said that they were a certain age. They said that they were... Uh, he said he was 17, 17 and but, he's 13. Right. The Pentagon moved right in and is now aggressively recruiting this guy to join the military. And through MySpace, yeah. Through MySpace. And I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and in, 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 in America, in America, in, 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 they had a guy named Bill O'Reilly from who does a show. Uh, yeah. Who's uh, he's a Fox News guy. He said that he said on air that the people in San Francisco who were protesting against the Pentagon's ability to recruit militarily teenagers and high school students. In San Francisco, he he invited Al Qaeda to bomb Coit Tower. He said that on air. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this guy is a, uh, a news anchor, isn't he? We don't we don't get it over here, but he's a he's a he's like the Jeremy Paxman type level. <laughs> but no, he's like who, who's a really right wing nutbag in this country? Um, on air, Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> huh? Ferrari, Nick Ferrari, Nick fr- from uh, the B B B N P, right? No, 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 he's Tory. <laughs> no, who, for who's the far-right party? Nick. Uh, BNP, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay, what's his name? Nick, Nick um, Griffin. Nick Griffin from the BNP. He's like Bill O'Reilly is like this guy, or, or uh, Le Pen in France. He's a far-right, uh, you know, ultra-right-wing guy. But so, so he's inviting people on air. I mean, in this country, they pass a law against violent hate speech, right? If, if anyone on this, in this country said that on TV, according to the new law passed by the Blair administration, the guy would be thrown in Belmarsh. It'd be, well, it'd be violent hate speech. Well, exactly. But we also did note that Bill O'Reilly did use Fox News airwaves to say, Al-Qaeda, hey, Al-Qaeda out there, come attack Coit Tower. That's right. And, you know, at least two million people watch Bill O'Reilly. And America claims to its citizens that there are sleeper cells in America. 
But what happens to these four black kids in Florida? They were on some chat board, and apparently a CIA guy wrote to them and said, hey, why don't we blow up Sears Tower? And they said, yeah, okay. Now they're in jail for terrorism. Because they had the, the, the germ of an idea given to them by... Attacking an American tower. But what happens when Bill O'Reilly says it live on air to two million Americans? And... You know, the Pentagon tells us that there are sleeper cells in America, or they try to tell us, and they try to, the, the heightened, uh, you know, terror alert. That's right. There are people in your midst who could be blowing you up. And there is Bill O'Reilly telling the boy, blow up Coit Tower. That's right. The way I see it, Max, is uh, you, know, uh, you, have, you, have a, you have a coherent but complex message. Um, and what you're up against is very flashy, um, very, uh, very throwaway kind of um, a media space in which these... Uh, these, these young people are, uh, are you know, are, are, they, they occupy. Um, you know, wouldn't it be, do you think it's possible to perhaps wrap up your message or, you know, uh, your, or the, uh, the, uh, the resistance against the corporate occupation in a flashy, in a flashy, uh, you know, uh, throw away, well, not exactly throw away, but in a flashy kind of like attention grabbing kind of way, use these kind of tactics to, um, perhaps reach these people what do you think what do you think of that yeah i mean you know who was talking about this um aaron Dottie roy mm -hmm. she was talking about this on a show she was being interviewed i think by uh amy goodman on democracynow.org and her message is actually kind of you know overlaps our message in a lot of ways and she was talking about how you get to a certain point and the the major media and, and the i don't know what you call it, maybe almost the celebrity culture gobbles you up and then you you become part of a an amorphous blob where in other words on this show and what we've been doing is you know it's antagonistic and once you get um caught up in the blob media and i think this is the message i got from aaron, aaron dotty roy is that she you know she she's she's a brilliant writer she wrote a brilliant novel she wrote brilliant books and then she gets portrayed you know pr next thing she knows she's one of the 10 most ecologically beautiful people in the world and then she's on the cover of some magazine and before you know it it becomes you get sucked into that murdochization of the media and then you know then you then that myspace generation they their attention span has been shortened you know by two major means one through the compression of the messaging through uh, compressed media uh, presentation as well as pharmacological uh, abuse. You know, I really think that this generation is being abused, you know, in this country. When, if you get an asbestos in this country, they, they give you a drug, right? They give you the... Um, um, Prozac? Not Prozac, but the um, <laughs> that uh, anti-hyperactivity uh, uh, drug. ADD. ADD yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. You know, so a lot of these, a lot of these uh, they're, they're being driven off the playgrounds to make room for development, the, the, this generation. Uh, they are being shut out of uh, any kind of ecological hope because the economy is being drained dry by the current uh, economic policies. The ecology is, is just being destroyed in real time. So, they, of course, they have short attention span. Of course, they're upset. Of course, they're going to get an ASBO. So, the, the administration, what do they do? They give them a drug. They give them uh, ADD drugs. Ritalin. They give, Ritalin. They give them Ritalin. Mm. So, now they're on drugs. Now, they're being messaged with a, with a very tight, compressed, almost subliminal, daily, 24-hour compressed message. And they never, they never leave the womb. This generation, this MySpace generation, I don't think ever is going to even leave the womb of a pharmacological media 24-7 environment of utter and complete lies. That's and I well think... Put. That's very well put. But I'd, I'd just like to put a, a shout-out perhaps to uh, any, any, any groups of musicians who'd perhaps like to, uh, to at least have a go 
at um, perhaps p p portraying this, uh, p the, the, these ideas, which are essential, I think, for survival, uh, to, to, to drop, drop me a line on my email, which is, uh, which is uh, jgordon. So anyone who's listening, take, it, take that down now. jgordon. Uh, this isn't a plug, by the way. I'm not writing a book or anything. No, of uh, course not. <laughs> jgordon at coolgoose.com. Cool, cool goose. What is cool it? Goose. It's just a, it's just a crappy. How do you spell that? Um, that's, that's cool, and then cool for cats, and goose, as in the the animal. Cool uh, goose. Dot mm -hmm. com. All right. So any any bands, if you're interested at, at some point, uh, to 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 take the message to to the uh, the the. Uh, Let's say the deluded MySpace generation would be very. Okay, well, very send us send us an email to uh, karmabank at gmail com also, and then we'll we'll put that address on the website. Thanks very much, Max. One more thing: uh, when is your live show going to be? Because I'm mo most interested in finding out about that. It, we're in Amsterdam, we're right? Do an Amsterdam live show. That's right. Yeah, it's, we up, doing it's up to the guy in Amsterdam. He Hillary. He keeps um, changing the date. <laughs> so yeah. Your hand at the yeah. moment. Well, we'll we'll do. You get five or six people together anywhere in the world. We'll go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's we'll all go, Max we'll, needs. We'll, we'll talk for food. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we have nothing else to do. Just waiting <laughs> for the end of the world. Thanks very much. Okay, thank right. you, James. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Adios, adios, James, James, James. Yeah. So the my gen, MySpace generation are they are they doomed as we as we say they are? Um, well, you know, my my thought is um, as we've just been saying that uh, they are doomed. But uh, my, my, my repost to that, and we didn't get into it with James, but uh, my, my feeling uh, looking out at the vast cosmos of interconnectivity and cyber, uh, uh, cyber universal love is, uh, you know, the pocket of strength you see out there is with uh, Linux and open source. Open source software. Open source software... Linus Turvall, the Linux movement, and the Pirate Party in Sweden, which is uh, totally against copyright and fighting against copyright. This is the next generation's best hope. So not, you know, not, not to be um, constantly pushing the doom and gloom button. I would say that um, that party in Sweden, the Pirate Party, that is fighting against copyright. Copyright, to me, represents the linchpin of all activist movements in the world today. The copyright law. For example, uh, in this country, you just had another example of it. Who's that guy who hosts Tony Blair every year on his estate in Barbados from the 50s? Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard, right? Yeah. He's saying to Tony Blair, he has him over at his house every, uh, every, every, uh, every summer vacation. And for the last five years, he's been lobbying Blair to change copyright law from 50 years to 70 years like it is in America. I say to you, this is like performing a lobotomy in our collective unconscious. We don't want our ideas tied up on corporate balance sheets for 70 years. Okay, all the music that this guy, Cliff Richards, is singing is stuff that came before him. All the music going forward is going to borrow, as tragic as this may sound, to some degree, from that schmata, Cliff Richard. <laughs> now, to lock it up for 70 years is like giving the collective unconscious a massive lobotomy. So that means every time you have a thought, every beat, uh, uh, you know, you out there, Residence 104.4 listener, musician, you, 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 you out there, you got the beat, you want to have a beat on your song? Oh, sorry, it's owned by... 
uh, Warner Brothers owns that beat. You're going to have to pay licensing fee for the next 70 years. Do you, oh, the cost is beyond what you can afford. Okay, well, here's uh, some Jurgens lotion and a towel. Go whack off for the next 20 years because your professional life is dead. That's right. You ain't making a nickel because all that shit's owned by the corporations. That's right. You're a big fat loser. Stacey? <laughs> I can't do better than that. <laughs> phone number but hey oh, honey uh, yeah, before yeah. we go off that topic well, um, they're, they're outlawing a lot of countries are starting to outlaw open source they're saying you're not allowed to give away your work for free that's right yeah that's it, right France, France is just doing this that's right now see the this MySpace generation is the generation with the most to lose and this is, in my opinion, if they wanted to rally around one political topic, one political issue, this would be it. And they would use the, their mass power on the net to create stuff for free to be passed freely amongst themselves. Free. That's the word. Free. As Richard Stallman has said, one of the fathers of the open source free software movement, free as in beer. <laughs> I believe is what he said. No. I could be paraphrasing. But <laughs> no, you, in other words, it's free. It doesn't yeah. cost anything. That's a key element. That's the way art was up until the Industrial Revolution. It was free for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. You know, Richard Parsons, who runs uh, Time Warner, he said, and I, was, I was on a panel with him in Los Angeles, and he was saying, and I said, look, every major corporation of the world has to compete with a price point called free. And they said, heretic, heretic. And they you know, threw me out of the lecture hall. Richard Parsons, on the other hand, is saying, if you remove the economic incentive from artists, they will stop creating. Now, is that true, artists? Is no. that true, musicians out no. there in Residence 104.4? Do you wake up in the morning with only one thought on your mind? You know, making the big bucks. I know some of you, of course, that's all you think about because you're whores. <laughs> but I'm talking about the true musician, the true Residence listener. The guy who would die to write the perfect song. <laughs> you're not motivated only by money. Because you're cooked into humanity. Before there was money. Before there, there was beats from Africa. We all, came from, we all come from black semen. We all come from black mothers and black fathers. Well, Richard Parsons was wrong then because people did work for And he's for a free. black man. They did work for free. They did create music. They yeah. did create art. And that's why they're criminalizing it. Yeah, of course. So I think that's the issue. I mean, if this MySpace generation wants to kick in and say, look, we, we control. Right now, the, there's millions of people who have some control over what's popular on the web. I mean, if you go to YouTube.com, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people can download a two-minute video. And it, there's an economic effect to that because all those eyeballs for those two minutes are watching your thing and it costs nothing. That means you're not spending those two minutes watching a pay-per-view event or a movie at the movie theater or downloading something for money because the attention span is a scarce resource. There's six billion people. There's 24 hours a day. It's a scarce resource. That scarce resource right now can be dominated by those who create freely for free consumption. If you want to monetize everything, like Monsanto, for example, is a great example of how this thinking of the corporation can go to absurd lunatic levels. They want to take seeds that have been absolutely perfect in providing food for hundreds of thousands of years. The seeds, you know, they reproduce, uh, you know, almost infinitely. It's an almost an infinite equation there. Uh, so what does Monsanto want to do? They want to patent the seeds. They want to make it so that the seeds are actually neutered seeds, that they only actually reproduce one season, and they have to buy new seeds. And so now they're going to bring in monopoly pricing to seeds. And then that means every, they're going to price it in such a way where you, oh, I just can't afford it this season. i got to borrow money. 
So now, now you're an indentured servant, you know, talking about this uh, doomsday book. They, they, they had stratified the feudal system. There was the feudal serfs, but, you know, they're not actually the bottom of the list. You know who's at the bottom of the list? No. Who? I just learned this today reading the Times of London. There's a group called the Villains. The Villains are lifelong indentured servants. The, 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 the serfs that we equate with feudalism are actually better off. They're not the worst. The worst are the Villains. The villains have been totally screwed by the corporations. Why do you think Tesco is getting into the money lending business? Because the price of food is going to go up so high because of global warming, you won't be able to buy a loaf of bread without taking out a loan. You're a villain. You're the villain. The Lebanese are villains. The Palestinians are villains. We're going to kill the villains. Why do you think they're called villains? Because you're, 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 you're creating a scapegoat. The, the corporations... First, they sell, you, they sell you crap products. They charge you too much. They put you in debt. And then they call you a villain. Now, nah, MySpace generation. Are you going to sit back and take it? Are you, know, you going to sit back? Are you going to be like Tony Blair and hold down Lebanon while Bush anally rapes them? Is that what you want to do? Um, but the other thing is that Monsanto is monopolizing the seed in the name. They're saying it's capitalism. But in America this week, we found that um, they're, they're criminalizing the behavior of anybody who makes um, GM-free food, they can't advertise it as GM-free. Yeah, I think that's a good story. They, they can't actually advertise that this is GM-free. That because, in itself becomes criminalized. Because Monsanto says that's unfair competition for them. And this you see this more and more. We saw this just a couple of weeks ago, the labeling of uh, uh, various things that are not actually going through the corporate ringer. Are, you can't say on the label that it hasn't been through the, the, uh, the, the, monopoly, the monopoly pricing. I would imagine that, for example, DRM on CDs. Yeah, or um, mad cow disease. Everybody here, Britain, you know about mad cow disease, right? That's right. Well, in America, they've just lowered the standards, so they're going to test fewer and fewer cows. Something like 40 million cows are killed every day in America. Mm -hmm. um, they're testing maybe like 500 of them every day. Yeah. But now there's a this this organic farmer who wants to test every single one of his cows for BSE. Yeah. He's not allowed to do that. The government has says he's not allowed to do it. He'll be fined if he does that. Because it's unfair competition for the other uh, cattle grower. Corporate occupation. Corporate occupation. Global insurrection. But they say they're offering you choice. But yeah. then they're, they're criminalizing one of the choices. Right. You're not allowed. The choice to have free, healthy, organic food or quality. You're not, that's criminalized. They criminalize that. Well, this is the whole thing about Blair, right? I mean, he's always talking about choice. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when the colonials went into Africa, they were talking about um, human rights and they were killing people in the name of human rights. Mm -hmm. You know, similarly, Tony Blair commits all these heinous acts of corporate malfeasance and calls it in the name of choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's just it's just completely uh, it's completely irresponsible in that way because he has uh, not representing the British people in any way. He only represents the corporate interest, and it's becoming more and more evident every single day. And the British people, of course, his popularity is crashing. Then you got Cameron over there, the Tory, who's coming in, and uh, has he really said anything that is going to give anyone hope that he's going to stand up to the corporations? Well, I read his corporate social responsibility speech a couple of weeks ago. And he said that when it comes to corporate responsibility, when, he, when these corporations are acting in bad faith, he's going to rely on exhortation and not regulation. Exhortation instead of regulation. In other words, he's going to point his finger at these corporations and say, bad company, bad, 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 don't do that again. And then, pff, is that going to have any effect? 
<laughs> meanwhile, the, the same. Meanwhile, the same. What's going to do with the military contractors that are out there spreading their warmongering message, their war profiteering? Of course, is buttressing the UK economy. Uh, so where, where's 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 the policy there? Where, where is he going to take make a position against the the corporate occupation? I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything from the Lib Dems. I don't hear anything. Do you hear anything from the Lib Dems, the mayor of Biffenbridge? What about cluster bombs? Uh, about cluster bombs? Um, <laughs> bunker busters? What's going on there? Uh, they're being used in Lebanon. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? No, I believe so, yeah. Indiscriminately. Well, let's talk about Lebanon for a second. And I know you cover this on your show. You have a couple of shows, right? No. That, no shows? No. <laughs> he he used just, to have a show. He used to have a show. Until That's his right, bridge yeah. was blown apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about Lebanon for a second, because I see here in the Financial Times that the Lebanese oil slick threatens nearby countries. Now, this is uh, ultimately turning out, again, not to be a political story, but an ecological story. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an economic story as well. Economics, ecological. What, it's not really a political story, no. and it's not really an ideological story, and it's not a, a story about the war on terror. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, we're talking about economics, and we're talking about the ecology. So you've got the Lebanese oil slick threatens nearby countries. This is today's Financial Times. An oil slick affecting more than 80 kilometers of the Lebanese coastline has reached Syria and can threaten Cyprus, Turkey, and Greece if left unchecked. So part of the... Part of the human rights abuses and the war crimes that Israel is perpetrating is to destroy this uh, major tourist industry going forward, isn't it? Because they're destroying that entire beach, mm-hmm. the and entire section, the ecosystem, yeah, the entire ecosystem. Plus, it's, it like conveniently keeps people away from the coast where Amer- where Israel and America want to con- bring the oil from this new Baku uh, pipeline down to Israel, where they can export it to Asia. Mm-hmm. So um, that's convenient or not, whatever. The spill was caused by the bombing of uh, Power Station 30 kilometers south of Beirut. July 13 and 15, the oil has been spreading widely because it has so far been impossible to begin cleaning it up while the Israeli attack on the country continues. Mm-hmm. So well, here we have another... That, that's another... That's the same theme that you're talking about, though, about open source. If you, if you try to give something away for free... You're criminalized. If you try to help somebody in Lebanon, if you try to, if you're a Red Cross or a UN, you try to save these people from being killed. You're killed. That's the that's the message. So the uh, the, the message goes out there to the MySpace generation. I mean, are they going to be politicized to the to, to the point where? Yeah. In the meantime, I just saw that headline: Yanukovych back in the Ukraine. Yeah. So remember last year we had the Orange Revolution and the Cedar Revolution. That's right. <laughs> We were all out there cheering for these people who were adopting democratic, pro-American ways. Yeah. Well, it's all kind of um, uh, turned the other way. It's gone. It? Yeah, it's all back. Back. It's gone back. It's slip sliding backwards again. It must be all that oil. Yeah. I, I, so, so there you had that big uh, possibility of a popular uprising, which yeah. has now fizzled. Yeah. So this is another problem with these various uprisings and activist groups and activist campaigns. There's 10,000 activists, you know, and non-government organizations around the world or so. And they, their campaigns will last three, six, nine months. They get some traction. But do they have any shelf life? Do they have any longevity? You know, that's why on this show and on the Karma Bank website, what we talk about is you only got to look at one thing, and that's the stock price. Look at the stock price to tell you whether you're winning or losing. If the stock price is going up, you're losing. If the stock price of Coca-Cola is going up, you're losing. Have you ever looked at the stock price, Michael? I don't know. What's the price of Coke trading for right now in the New York Stock Exchange, Michael? 
Everything with one... Michael is one pound. <laughs> you know why? Because you were just at the internet cafe. You get one pound for an hour, right? No. Yes, it <laughs> why is everything one pound with you, Michael? Uh, I'll show you pound shots. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a pound. <laughs> By the way, how do you have a sweater on, a jumper, as you say here, when it's literally Ooh. about 45 degrees centigrade in this? We're all melting here, I swear to God. It's hot. <laughs> you're, you're it's hot stuff. We got about another uh, four minutes left, right? We got four minutes or so? Four minutes. Four minutes and five seconds. What's, on the next, what's the next show coming up after this show? It's Saturday Night Live. It's being presented by Steve Beres for tonight. He's downstairs waiting to come up. Yeah. All right. So we him. He's coming up. Do you another? What's the what's the format of that show? Um, I'm not sure because I've never done it before. All right. It's live music. It's a live uh, double bass player. Oh wow! Live double bass player. He's obviously a genius. Yeah. So check it out. They're the fantastic shows at Residence 104.4, and um, you know, of course, we do our daily podcast. We do a full hour every single day. You can do KarmaBank.com. Get to the daily podcast. And we dissect various uh, comments, uh, particularly from uh, the mayor of Biffenbridge, who comments uh, on our show and sends us uh, the occasional uh, pod podcast uh, snippet. Yeah, I've got a podcast about Coca-Cola. Do you? Yes. That we haven't heard yet on our show? Uh, no, we, we have heard it. Yeah, yeah we've had one yeah. or two. Is there a new one coming? Um, not at the moment. I'm too busy plastering. <laughs> <laughs> He's plastered? He's totally plastered. No, plastered yeah. <laughs> He's so British. Oh, my God. Well, let's see. No, I, will, I will get one soon. I was thinking of Uzbekistan and Coca-Cola. Um, oh, yeah, that's Until another. Came By the way, one more thing. I know uh, Brits are going, dr uh, going drunk, <laughs> going bankrupt at one a minute. Oh, that's by right. By the way. That's but, right. Um, but, but uh, you were doing something on Uzbekistan, weren't you? Yeah, but we have two minutes now. We're oh, wrapping sorry. up. But uh, we, I know you're all going bankrupt. But because you get to wipe away all your debt, make sure you use your credit card. Call residents. Donate to them on your credit card before you go bankrupt uh, for their antenna fund and for their fan fund because, you know, they don't have any sort of circulation in here. But, yeah, just put it on your credit card. You might as well give them a 1,000 pounds then because you're, right. you're just going to go bankrupt and have HSBC or, or Barclays pay for have it. Have Barclays pay for it. <laughs> Barclays just announced $1 trillion in bad debts. <laughs> Why not add another $10 trillion? Yeah, ten, ten every billion. single listener on this show should put another 100 pounds of debt on their credit card. <laughs> Send it to Residence 104.4 immediately. <laughs> Declare bankruptcy. If Barclays goes bankrupt, you won't have to pay back that debt. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, a, it's just a matter of going across the street, meeting your neighbor. Go out into the street and meet your neighbors and collectively charge up huge expenses <laughs> on your credit card and try to put Barclays Bank out of business and none of you will have to pay back that debt. <laughs> but you've got to talk to your neighbor, no matter if they're Shia or Shiite or Buddhist or black, white, yellow, pink. Talk to your neighbor. Put Barclays out of business. <laughs> you can do it, UK. <laughs> I know you can. <sighs> Why don't you just give me a cue like when there's 20 seconds left? How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll just keep chattering, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. when there's 20 seconds left, then we'll do like the final countdown. There's like only 20 seconds left. Let me know. Awesome tune. The door's oh, opening. Life. The next show is getting ready. They're, they're, the, they're, they're not even giving you 20 seconds. They're, they're moving like, in. <laughs> The corporate <laughs> occupation is, is attacking from all fronts. Help. <sighs> well, let's see. What else we got? Well, in the U.S., well, I guess we'll leave it with this point, with this idea, is that in the U.S., 
It, 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 what happened is he had a couple. He had this white, this this uh, uh, conservative uh, pundit, Thomas L. Friedman, who for the entire duration of the Iraq invasion and slaughter of the innocents has been giving Bush cutting them some slack and saying, "Well, you know, we got to give him a chance to do good." Finally, finally, he threw in the towel this weekend and said the Iraq thing is a complete, a complete waste, and this means that the one of the Thanks, buddy. This means that one of the last strongholds of, of, of this conservative notion that you, you can bomb a country into peace has thrown in the towel. And next week, we'll do more with uh, this show. And until that time, say goodbye, Stacey. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, goodbye. London. Bye, Bye everybody. London.